consumption in 2022 was somewhere around 1.2 billion ounces. The estimate this year is 1.4 billion ounces. We don't know that number exactly yet, but call it whatever you want to call it. So that's a pretty darn big deficit. So I don't know how long those deficits can last before you see you know much higher solar prices. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics as we are amazingly getting set to round out the year of 2023 in the silver world. Although fortunately joining me today, someone that we've had on the show many times over the years, probably been far too long. Although someone that everyone in the audience knows quite well is Keith Newmeyer, president and CEO of First Majestic Silver. And Keith, great to have you back here. Uh, We'll look forward to discussing some of the things that went on in 2023, your thoughts on what we may have had in 2024 in the silver market, some of the dynamics. Of course, we'll also talk some first majestic silver, but welcome on in. Great to see you again. And how's everything going today? Hey, Chris, it's great seeing you again. Uh, uh, quite honestly, you look a little bit different than the last time I, I we, we had our interview, but uh, you're looking great and uh, super pleased to you know have a chat with you today. Well, it's great to dig in, and we'll start with what we saw in 2023. As I mentioned before we hit the record button, here we are amazingly, a couple pennies. We're in positive territory on the year as we record on Tuesday the 19th in the afternoon, starting at 24.30, now up four cents on the year. Has been a bit of a roller coaster along that ride and had banks fall apart. We've had interest rates stay higher for longer. Now we have the announcement a week ago that seems like the hikes are officially done. And I think some positive conditions going into 2024. Although any thoughts on what we've just experienced for the past year and any takeaways you had? Well, I guess our interview is well-timed. Um, you, know? you know, nice to see a green day, you know, during an interview, I, I, you know, before we got um, uh, a recording, I, I mentioned to you, which was quite significant to me, you asked about, you know, what what's happened in 2023. And you know, I, I, I travel constantly. I'm in conferences and, you know, dealing with investors and, and you know, on the metal side and also on the equity side, you know, mining stocks and so on and so forth. And uh, uh, I was quite surprised with the last, you know, month or so of travel, whereby all these young people are showing up at these conferences. So, you know, and, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, there's a whole new set of buyers out there that are looking at this industry, looking at buying physical metal and, and then also mining stocks. Um, and that's that's pretty exciting. I think that's uh, that's a change. And I think over the over the next one or two years, as, as you know, the metals, you know, uh, I, in my opinion, you know, start to ramp up, and go much higher than where they're currently trading. I think there's going to be a whole bunch of new investors coming into this resource sector. And that's not something we've seen, I think, for the last, well, decade likely. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense, obviously, when people look around at what's going on in the world and then look at some of the levels things are priced at. We have the stock markets making new all-time highs, which <laughs> in itself. Seven stocks. Only seven stocks. Yeah, yeah, and it's on one hand incredible. We see some things seem impervious to the higher for longer 
Um, so obviously I'm in agreement with you that where we stand, silver and the mining space, especially for people who are looking to buy low and sell high, has a good profile going forward. One of the things perhaps really setting us up for 2024 is that we've had two-year wait for interest rate cuts last week. About as much as you can get before they actually cut the interest rates gave us the indication. And Keith, I'm assuming you're not falling into the same confusion that the Fed's Austin Goolsby, who, when he looked at last week's market reaction, said he was confused to see just about everything on the board soar. I'm guessing you uh, found it pretty predictable given what they said and curious how you see things setting up for 2024 based on where they're at now. You know, I don't think it's relevant. You know, I think I think it's a bunch of headline noise that means nothing. Um, I you know I I know that the uh, market, you know, the, the 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 hedge funds, the you know, blah blah blah. They 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 trade against the Fed, but you know, you go back. Geez, it was probably Greenspan who probably made the Fed famous. You know, and uh, you know, you know, Greenspan left the Fed. As a billionaire, and uh, who who knows how that happened? Um, you know, insider trading among all these crazy you know people that manipulate the markets and uh, you know trade trade on the Fed numbers and know the information way ahead of us. And you know, it's it's just a money making scheme. It's it's complete bullshit. Um, uh, you know, I own gold and silver and mining stocks for completely different reasons. Then and I don't care what interest rates do. Your interest rates go to zero tomorrow or twenty percent tomorrow. I'm going to make money either way, so it doesn't matter because I know that gold is the ultimate currency and silver is 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 in such a crazy supply deficit. If if we're going to do what we need to do as a human race to electrify our planet, do all the things that we want to do. You know, create electric cars, solar panels, you know, cell phones, computers, refrigerators, you know, all the things that we want, you know, as a human race to improve our lives, we need solar. And so there's huge reasons why you want to own gold, and there's huge reasons why you own silver. Whatever the Fed does, the US government does, I don't give a shit. I like it. I I think that's the way to approach. The Fed and a lot of the theatrics that come out of there. Keith, you mentioned that we have been experiencing a deficit over the past couple of years now. Silver Institute suggesting that we're in a structural deficit. You look at the demand sources that are coming out there, and that certainly does seem to fit with what we're seeing. At the same time, we have the lower silver price. You don't have a lot of new projects going online. How, how do you see this playing out in... I mean, we'll leave aside the timing, but I mean, is this something that you think is really set to become a bigger issue in the years going forward? You know, it's it's got to, right? Because, um, you know, I I don't see any big production coming online. There's nothing permitted. Um, You know, look at uh, a couple of the key assets are out there that are, you know, 10 plus million, you know, producers that could come online. But they're still five to 10 years out. And that's assuming everything goes well. Um, then there's assets out there that, that are super low grade. Um, that are sub 50 grams. So you're talking about, 
you know, $50 rock coming out of the ground. That's going to cost you in today's money um, uh, probably $150 to $200 uh, 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 to take that rock out of the ground. So you're going to be losing money. So the miners won't go after that 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 rock or that ore. Um, uh, well, they don't call it ore because it's not economic. But um, but so you need you need prices that are at least three times higher uh, just to make some of these ore bodies economic. Right? And uh, uh, and mining companies they're very long long uh, uh, games, right? So you know you. Uh, for for a mine to come into production from the day you discovered it is likely 10 years or 15 years or 20 years, depending on jurisdiction uh, and depending on complexity and size and, and, and uh, of course, investment, dollars available and then and, and prices. And all, all those things impact if a mine will come into production some, sometime into the future. So, you know, if you have $50 for price tomorrow, you know, people are getting excited, but the boards of directors of these mining companies won't increase their investments because they know it's happened twice before and, uh, and they got screwed. So, so uh, for them to go to their banks that they deal with and say, hey, look, we want to build this silver mine um, um, and silver's at $50 today, they're going to look at you and say, really? Like, come on, like, look at history. Like, so they're not going to give the, the mining sector the funds to, to develop those mines. So, you know, you need likely, you know, two, three years of high metal prices. I'm talking about 50 plus dollar silver, sustainable, whereby the banks will get comfortable, the mining sector will get comfortable, and they go, okay, so fifty dollars is the new low, right? Because right now we kind of the low of silver is basically twenty bucks. You know, we've seen twenty hit how many times in the last decade, right? So the market's comfortable with calling twenty dollars the low in silver, right? right. Um, so how long would it take for the banking sector to get comfortable calling fifty dollars the low? It, it, it's not going to happen overnight. So you're you're probably talking a substantial amount of time for the banks to start cutting checks. So, you know, how long does that take? So right now, if you go back and look at um, annual silver production for the last decade, it's flatlined basically at about 825 million ounces. You know, in COVID, it dropped to 780. Um, in 2016, it got up to 880. Um, last year, it was at 830. You know, this year, the Silver Institute uh, says it's going to be down 6% uh, based on uh, 2022 uh, numbers. So call it 825, 820, whatever the number is. So that's kind of the max. So the mining sector cannot produce more than 850 million ounces of silver annually, period. Right? So, so we know that. So what does it take to double that? So, so... Consumption in 2022 is somewhere around 1.2 billion ounces. The estimate this year is 1.4 billion ounces. We don't know that number exactly yet, but call it whatever you want to call it. So that's a pretty darn big deficit. So I don't know how long those deficits can last before you see you know much higher solar prices. 
you know, the silver's coming from somewhere. You know, it's, it's, you know, I know Russia's got silver. You know, maybe they're selling silver to finance whatever they're doing. China doesn't export silver, so, you know, who knows? And they're one of the largest producers, so who knows where that silver goes? Um, yeah, so it, it is a bit of a mystery. Um, but nevertheless, I, I, you know, I don't think you can see these kinds of prices last very much longer, in my opinion. Yeah, and I appreciate what you mentioned there about how even if we get 50 or $75 silver price, <laughs> I don't know whether I should say next week and <laughs> fun to think about it. Uh, let's say we got it sometime in the near future that there's still that degree to which you need it to stay at that level for some point. In fact, I think perhaps one of the reasons that has led people to be staying cautious on the mining sector is they are fearful. All right, it's up at $24 now. What if the price is a couple bucks lower and we're back close to a break even line? So that certainly creates a, another parameter around increasing that silver production. And the other thing you touched on in there is where is it coming from? We see the inventories falling. Is that a reasonable guess of what is making up this gap right now and perhaps a good thing to keep an eye on going forward to when we really might run into some sort of bigger issue? You know, this goes back to your previous question, Chris. I don't believe any of this stuff. It's all bullshit. All the stuff you read, all the inventory levels, you know, COMEX, LBMA, whatever you want, it's all made up numbers, means nothing. It's all bullshit. Okay. I don't follow it. I don't care what it says. Relevant to me. I know as a mining company, if First Majestic was producing twice the silver that we we're currently producing today, we could sell it in a heartbeat. So, uh, you know, that's all I care about. I, I run a company that produces silver and there's, you know, we're not producing cobalt, you know, where I have to go and find a buyer, right. you know, and, and uh, or, or tungsten, you know, where, where there might be one or two buyers worldwide and you got to line up to sell your tungsten, right? They're, you know, we're a silver producer and gold. And I can tell you, there's a lineup to buy our metal. It's not the other way around. Yeah, well, I could imagine that's the case and certainly a good thing to hear. Have you been hearing from companies directly? I know that's something we've heard uh, somewhat sporadically over the past couple of years. Are companies approaching the miners directly at this point? They are, but, you know, we don't bother. Um, if Elon Musk decided to give me a telephone call, I I, I might talk to him. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, we 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 have been approached, and you know, it's because it, because they want to head, they they, they want a, a fixed price, you know, they want one year's production at X price, and like we well, you know, if I if I did that to our shareholders, I don't think our shareholders would be very happy, um, uh, you know, because they they buy first Majestic stock because they're playing the silver price, so you know they expect whatever they expect what I expect, so um, yeah, so it, it's it's a bit it's a bit of a slippery road. You know, if 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 um, you know, if a big industrial producer like a Tesla or Mercedes or someone like that uh, decided to say, look, we want a supply agreement with you, and we'll ride the market with you, and but we want all your metal. Okay, fine, that 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 could make some sense, but it would definitely not fix the price. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, one of the other key areas where the silver is coming from is the non-primary miners. 
although obviously that doesn't seem to be getting any easier on on that side as well. In fact, I'm going to pull up something that you may have seen here, which perhaps speaks to that. Here is Robert Friedland talking about 15,000 per ton copper needed to spur new mines. So yeah. uh, add in that we have a big copper mine shut down in Panama. So not like the environment I'm there is getting a any easier. company I found about that. Yeah. Which you know, I think you know. But, yeah, it's very, very tough to see that. And Phil Pascal just passed away a couple weeks ago. And uh so very unfortunate timing. And also doesn't indicate that we're likely to see any large sources of supply being being put online by some of the non-primaries who aren't as price sensitive either. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, there's no big silver supplies coming anywhere. So I don't know. You know, we need, as I said earlier, we need hundred dollar silver to spur on new supply, and it's it can happen in a matter of a week. You know, it's gotta you know stay at reasonable prices for a lengthy period of time. Well, I think that's certainly something that's good for people to keep in mind. I know silver and the silver industry has been bit of a patience exercise in patience at times yet you look at some of these things that are building um keith you also talked about how you're selling a lot of the silver directly i know you opened a new mint which is yeah. close to being online and perhaps if you could talk about how that process is going and also the levels that you're hoping to get that up to yeah no it's it's, it's an exciting part of our business you know we're a mining company obviously um and most, uh, virtually all our metal goes through commercial uh, industry, um, um, and uh, uh, whether it's you know electron, mostly electronics. Um, but nevertheless, um, uh, we started our own direct sales to investors back in 2008, uh, and, and and it's been interesting. It was small to begin with, and it's grown over time, and it uh, punched through over 10 million in revenue a couple of years ago, and we kind of ran into a wall. Uh, where we 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 knew the demand was there, and we but the mints would not supply us the metal that we wanted. We kept putting orders in, we kept delivering uh, silver to these mints, and they just kept sitting on our metal, and they refused to produce it into products that we wanted to give to our customers. Um, so it became quite frustrating. And about a year ago, I made the decision to open up our new mint. I said, okay, you know this is crazy, and. Uh, so we made the investment, we, we got a facility, uh, and I was just there, um, well, last week, actually. And uh, it's looking pretty good. Um, we expect to print our first bars in the second week of January. So um, it should be good. And uh, we're expecting we'll likely do probably north of 30 million in revenue, maybe you know close to 40 million in revenue in, in 2024 through that facility. So. Uh, we not put out official guidance, you know. So watch for that. And you, you, Chris, you kind of, you know, I, I may may not have, may I may, maybe should have said those, <laughs> giving you those numbers. But we're pretty comfortable with it. We think that um, our revenues are going to increase three to four hundred percent as a result of that because the demand is there, and the minting industry, for whatever reason, does not want to supply that metal to your average investor. Because I personally believe that the industrials, you know, the big consumers, the big, the electronic manufacturers, the automotive industry are sucking all that metal 
out of the market and they don't want that metal to go into the retail environment. Yeah, I mean, I would have to imagine if I was running an industrial company, that's certainly something that would be on my mind. And hopefully with the new minting facility, we'll have some more of the cubes coming oh, yeah. on available soon. I know these, they, you know, we, you know, we can't even produce those anymore. So that's a collector's item. We, we hope to produce those again. Well, me too. I, I've got a couple of these here sitting on my desk and they're fun to play with as I watch the silver price from time to time. Uh, Keith, in terms of First Majestic, uh, thoughts looking back, obviously one of the big things that happened this year was shutting down the Jarrett Canyon mine. Um, any thoughts in hindsight and perhaps guidance? I know you're looking to have that back online, perhaps early 2026, but anything you could share there for, for people to be aware of? You know, it, it's um, Nevada is a pretty exciting place to be, I think. Um, uh, I think that, um, you know, investors can probably watch for more investments from First Majestic into the United States, into places like Nevada and potentially other states as well. Um, you know, we're all in in Mexico. We've been there for 20 years. Actually, this, we've just broken our 20-year anniversary this past September. Yeah, so it's um, it's been a pretty exciting 20 years. I can tell you that I, 20 years ago, I didn't expect I'd be sitting here today, but um, um, you know, we have uh, a huge footprint in Mexico. You know, we're one of the most important mining companies there are. I think we're the fifth largest um, mining company in Mexico, which is, um, you know, pretty impressive. Um, but, you know, we have to diversify our portfolio. And that's what Jared Canyon is all about. Um, you know, in hindsight, okay, well, did we, you know, make a mistake? And we probably did. I, I, I think, um, you know, it, I think it, we probably should have shut it down on day one and, and, and started over. Um, uh, it, it's just, we, I think we underestimated how difficult it would be to change the psychology uh, of, of the workforce and, and, um, uh, and uh, you know, our, our people, you know, we, we put a lot of people on that effort and uh, it just was a real challenge. Um, and then winter came and I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware, but um, you know, that normal, cold one. Uh, it was terrible. Like here, you know, in Vancouver, you know, uh, uh, which is our head office, you know, throughout the Western United States, Washington, Oregon, into California, Nevada, you know, that last winter was just brutal. And, uh, you, you know, um, that mine had minus um, 35 degrees Fahrenheit for weeks and weeks and weeks and uh, minus 20, and the whole mill just froze right up. So, you know, you, you know, you, that mill needed, you know, 3,000 tons a day to be, to be economic. And we were lucky to get a thousand tons a day through that mill, um, uh, and in, on any given day. So it was just burning money, and you know we said, okay, well, call uncle and call it a day, and go on with life. And so right now we're exploring. We're gonna get you know, you'll see the guidance coming out in January. We've got some pretty exciting uh, guidance coming out on Jared Canyon for 2024, 2025. Uh, it's it's a definitely an important asset for us. We, we expect to get it up running again, uh, as you said, by 2026, and uh, just going to take some time. Yeah, and I've heard you mention in another call that you're you're getting inquiries on getting access to the roaster there. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. You know, thanks for bringing that up because, um, 
that roaster is extremely strategic. It's uh, only one of three roasters in the entire state of Nevada. So it's, uh, and the other two are owned by Newmont, you know, Barrett Newmont, and they're full. And uh, so this um, roaster, you know, it's 5,000 ton a day roaster. And um, um, it, it should be operating. And I think it will be operating. I think ultimately we'll probably get feed from other um, mines within the area, combine that with Jared Canyon. And I think at that point, it could be quite interesting. Okay. And another thing that you touched on when you were mentioning Nevada is that you are looking at different projects that are out there and maybe perhaps you can speak more generally, but I'm wondering what the environment you're seeing is like where certainly on the junior side, prices on a lot of things are down a lot and how you balance and what opportunities or types of opportunities might be out there. And again, you can make that more general uh, if, if necessary and just any thoughts on that environment. Yeah, no, we, uh, we, we have small investments in, in a handful of uh, companies, um, some of which are in Nevada. Uh, and we, we watch them and, uh, you know, we have a team here that all they do, well, not all they do, they spend a lot of their time on, on um, looking at, other companies, you know, there's uh, every, you know, every week goes by, one of these juniors comes out with a news release. So, you know, we have a database, we, you know, we watch it all. Uh, we, we are, we're in discussions with you know, many different groups um, um, on a regular basis. And, you know, we, but we have to, at the same time, be careful and, and strategic. You know, we don't want to, you know, adding, adding an exploration project to our portfolio is not going to do us a lot of good. Uh, it's just it's just uh, another place to spend money, uh, and, and um, you know. So I think that um, from from an M and A perspective, you know, we need to go after things that are permitted and and or already in production. And and uh, silver, you know, you and I know it's like not an easy place to be. Like we, you know, we could fill our portfolio up with gold assets tomorrow if we wanted to. Uh, I don't know why gold projects are so easy to come by, you know, and we're trading 85 to one, you know, and, and we're mining seven to one, you know, and, and uh, your listeners should know that for, you know, every one ounce of gold that the world mines, the world mining industry mines, only seven ounces of silver is mined, right? And yet we're trading at 85 to one, you know, so that tells you there's a disconnect, you know, between um, uh, what people think, what investors think, what the banks think, what the world thinks, about you know how um, abundant silver is, it's not very abundant at all. And as a as a silver mining company, and we look at ourselves as a silver mining company, it's tough, you know, like to find silver mines. They're just not around. Yeah, that definitely factors in, and we'll see when perhaps that becomes more prevalent in the market. Although. Conditions not getting any easier, so I think we'll be hearing more about that. We'll we'll leave aside the whole green agenda today, but t tack that onto the pile and is going to make an interesting environment. And perhaps well, don't forget, you know, Chris. You know, I, you know, as I said earlier, you know, the the company is twenty years old. I, I'm not a geologist. I built this company through acquisition. At, you know, and uh, every asset that we own in our portfolio is through acquisition. Um, so. Of course, we have to be focused on that, but we have to be patient. We have to, you know, wait for the right opportunities, and uh, and 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 they do come by. 
but uh, it's all patience. Yeah, and perhaps that ties in with my last question here, Justin. As you look back on 20 years doing this now, what, what's the biggest thing you take away, whether that's something that went according to plan, something that deviated completely? Um, what, what stands out the most from that past 20 years? It's all people. Yeah. Uh, really comes down to the team. Right? It's, um, you know, being, being the CEO and founder of uh, this company, uh, you know, we've gone through, you know, people all along the way. And, um, you know, it, that, that's the toughest part. Is, is you know just you know losing people, having to you know bring on new people, re-educating people, keeping the team motivated, and keeping them focused on a task at hand, and uh, just remembering that, um, or you know, me instilling within them that our ultimate responsibility is to our shareholders, and that's you know that's the final check and balance. Is is uh, what do shareholders think? You know what what is our stock price doing? What is our multiple compared to our peers? What's our profitability? What's our costs? And uh, uh, it's just that constant um, drilling in that message, you know. And um, it's it's um, you know it's tough, you know, because you know with silver prices fluctuates the way they do. You know, we you know we do our budgets at you know we we just did our twenty twenty four budgets, and uh, you know we uh, they're not public yet. They'll they'll be public shortly. But, you know, we, we pick metal price, you know, based on what we think as a management team is going to be the average trading price for the year 2024. And that's how we fix all our revenue, which drives our costs, drives our exploration, drives our development, drives everything within the business. And if we're wrong in picking that metal price, you know, all of a sudden we have start firing people. You know, it's, you know, cutting back expiration costs, and it, it's, um, you know, it's quite challenging. Well, it's not an easy task that you've chosen in life, but I congratulate you on 20 years and all that you've accomplished. Uh, obviously, the ups and the downs, running a company, handling the cycles in silver, although filling an important role that I think will pay off quite well for you in the years going forward. And might add in wrapping up, people can obviously find out more about First Majestic Silver at firstmajestic.com. And with that said, Keith, just want to wish you and your family and everyone at First Majestic happy holidays and hope you guys are all doing well. And I think there's a lot to look forward to in the silver space in the coming year and we'll look forward to catching up with you then. Well, thanks. And, uh, you know, just the importance of the mining sector, I think people should really be aware of because I think there's... Uh, sometimes disconnect between um, uh, really what we do as an industry, you know, for, you know, the human race. And, uh, you know, the, the, you know the, if, you, if you get too tied up uh, listening to politicians about extractive industries, uh, you know, we get kind of tied into that whole, you know, phenomenon where you see your comment earlier about Panama, you know, and uh, this is uh, uh, a, 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 an interesting transition we're seeing around the world whereby you know the, the the extractive industries are being attacked and um and it, it's 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 all going to come down at ultimately it, it's going to cause high inflation numbers that's going to cause cause much higher metal prices you know you got five percent of the world's copper coming offline in the next 30 days 
right? And that, you know, if people don't think that's going to affect price, then they, you know, they got, you know, rocks in their brains. But, um, and we're seeing the same similar kinds of uh, um, actions from other governments around the world. And, and uh, you know, if, if we don't have copper and silver as part of our economy, then our life, our standards of living will drop substantially. And it's up to us as voters and up to us as people to make sure our politicians are, are uh, understand really what we need. And uh, um, I think, you know, people have to, you know, start you know, voting for uh, politicians that are pro-industry, pro-growth. And, uh, and you know, we have to um, uh, support extractive industries. You know, the extractive industries can extract minerals and metals from the planet in a safe way. And there's lots of technologies around that, that have proven that. And uh, yet there are certain, you know, politicians around the planet that seem to think that that's not possible, right? So they go, okay, we'll shut down that industry because they can't produce X, you know, in, in, you know, in environmental or economic fashion, but that's complete nonsense. Um, so I think that, you know, voters have to start to vote, you know, uh, with their wallet and, and vote with their mind and get some of these crazy, uh, 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 you know, people out of the governments because it's just completely nonsensical. And uh, I don't know if that makes sense to your listeners, but um, I can tell you that the you know, mining sector is on edge, you know, because of, you know, stuff that's going on around the planet. And we as a mining sector cannot produce the metals that the world needs. So, you know, forget about building a house. You know, forget about building a car because everything goes backwards and we're going to be living in a freaking cave, you know, 20, 30 years from now. Yeah, well, like you said, I, I think the people listening today are, are quite familiar with the flaws of government politicians and appreciate that you've been out there doing this for a long time, obviously running the company, but also speaking up about some of these things and getting in touch with some of these groups and... I think I found in my time covering the mining industry that, yes, there are some companies that do things perhaps in less than ideal fashion, although a lot of, I think the companies that are still growing and, and successful put a lot of credence into doing things in an appropriate way, which I know is something you guys have focused on. So Keith, uh, we'll wrap up for now, but thanks again for being here for all that you're doing. And it's great to see you. And again, happy holidays to you and the team there. And uh, we'll look forward to a great 2024. And Merry Christmas to you and uh, all your listeners as well.